What's up, H12? How you guys doing tonight? Yes. Man, I'm so pumped to be here tonight. And you know what? Uh, before I jump in, I just want to say this, man. We have some, some honored guests in here tonight. Uh, I think they're still in here. Is, uh, is uh, uh, Stephen still in here? Stephen Francis. Stephen Francis. Coy. Coy Bishop. Y'all's, y'all's whole family. Y'all all stand up right now. Y'all just stand up. The four of y'all right now stand up. Y'all give it up for them. So, uh, y'all, all right, y'all can sit down. That's enough, Stephen. That's enough. And, uh. So uh, Stephen and Coy actually were residents here at H12, just like Trey and Jacob were. And uh, Coy is now on staff here at 12 Stone Church. Stephen's on staff at a church up in New York doing big things, along with his wife, who's also on staff in student ministry. And uh, so anyways, man, we're glad you guys are here coming and hanging out with us tonight. Well, check it out. I, my, uh, my family, we had, a, uh, we had this situation um, a couple weeks ago where we had some friends come over to the house. Now listen, when you have friends over to your house, and you have little kids, this is like a serious situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you have little kids, you have to do stuff to have people over at your house. Like, you have to clean up. You have to make sure it's early enough so you don't hit bedtime so they're not crazy, all that kind of stuff. And so so we we hit this thing just right. And so uh, we had some friends come over, and they got a little boy. And their little boy is about a year younger than my daughter. My daughter's two and a half years old. And so we're all hanging out at the house. We had a good dinner. We're just chilling. And and, um, and, and the little boy, who was like a year and a half, he walks over to this chair that we have in the house, which, by the way, this is a chair that my daughter loves to sit in. And so he walks over, and he climbs up into the chair, and he sits down into the chair. And so we're, we're just kind of sit there. <laughs> my daughter, she, she didn't like that he was sitting in her chair. See, my daughter's in this stage right now where, like, everything is mine. Like, everything is mine. Like, she picks up the remote control, this mine, this mine. Like, everything is hers, right? Like, she, she, just, she just wants it all. She's selfish. She's all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but she's cute, and so that makes it up for it. And so, anyways, and, uh, and so she goes over to this little boy that's sitting in the chair, and she grabs him by the collar. You know what I'm saying? And she just says, boosh, and just body slams him on the floor. And she sits down on the chair, and she goes, my chair. Now, my wife's freaking out. She's like, Abby, what are you doing? And, tr- and truthfully for me, it was like the proudest moment of my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, baby, you get him. That's what I'm talking about. What? You know what I mean? Like, I want my daughter to be able to protect herself. She straight body slams him on the ground. I mean, the form was beautiful and everything. And so, so anyways, my wife's over there, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, my kid hurts your kid. You know, and she's over in the corner talking to Abby like, Abby, you cannot do that. That's me. And I'm in the background like, and uh, so, but but listen, listen. I want you to hear this about it. I I did not teach my daughter to do that. Like I haven't taught my daughter how to be selfish and to walk around going mind to everything. I did not teach her that. Like I didn't come home for work one day, come into my house, and my wife and Abby just be chilling in there, and I walk over to the couch where my wife's sitting and grab my wife by the back of the of the shirt and just like bam, just slam her on the head. That never happened. First off. There's no excuse ever for a man to ever put his hand on a woman ever, anytime, ever, period, period. No man puts his hand on a woman ever. You know what I'm saying? Ever. Ever. But let's just hypothetically say that I tried to do that. My wife, my wife is from Alabama. Now there's crazy... And that's Alabama crazy. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, you don't want to mess with an Alabama woman. You know what I mean? Like, if I tried to do that to my she'd rip my arms off and beat me to death with them. You know, like, that's what my wife would do to me. Yes. And so, so anyway, he said roll tide. Yeah, my wife went to Alabama. So she's a roll tide. Are any Alabama fans in the house? Yep. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Crazy. Crazy. So, but here's the deal. I did not, I did not have to teach my daughter that. This is what I want you to hear. What I want you to hear is this, is that my daughter is hardwired to be selfish. The Bible says it this way. The Bible says that we all have a sin nature. Every single one of us has that. We have that at birth. We have that because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And so every person that has been born from the seed of Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, carries the sin nature. Listen, listen. This is why it was so significant that Jesus was born of a virgin. Because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit by a virgin, so Jesus did not carry the sin nature. So that when Jesus lived here on earth and was tempted in every way, yet without sin, and went to the cross, he died on the cross not as a sinner, but as a perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was a worthy sacrifice to cover the sins of the world. But all of us carry that sin nature, and so it's hardwired into my daughter. My daughter is two and a half years old, and she is an expert at being selfish and prideful, which is the root of sin. It is the root of selfishness. Now, we've been in this series and we uh, call Brand New, and the idea behind this series is that is that different things have different brands, that we all carry a brand about ourselves. And we showed some brands on the screen last week, like the Michael Jordan logo or the Nike symbol or the Starbucks logo. And when we show these brands, it automatically strikes a chord with us. It wells something in us that makes us think about what that particular thing is. And for some of us, it might be a positive opinion about it. For some brands, it might be a negative opinion. And the truth is, not only do businesses... Not only do, do shoes, not only do these type of things have brands, but actually we have a brand as well. That we carry a brand. I showed you all the picture last week of Colin Kaepernick. And everybody has different opinions about him and, and what he's standing for and what he's doing and if he's doing it the right way and if he's doing it the wrong way. And, and I showed you that picture and, and, and everybody in here has a brand. When people think about you, what do they think of? When people think about you, do they think positive things? When people think about you, do they think, man, that guy's cool? Or as I mentioned last week, when they think about you, do they think, she's a hoochie mama? You know what I'm saying? Maybe so. I don't know. But we all have a brand, a reputation that we carry that we all have. And not only do we have a brand, but Christianity has a brand. When you call yourself a Christian... That has a brand about it. People think certain things. Think, people, people have expectations about, about what that means when you call yourself a Christian. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, how many of you guys, when you go to Chick-fil-A, have high expectations? Where are my Chick-fil-A fans in the house? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Chick-fil-A got some good chicken. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm saying? Like, when I go to Chick-fil-A, like, I get pumped up. I get excited. And listen, I have some expectations when I go to Chick-fil-A. I expect good chicken. I expect good service. And I expect a my pleasure after I say thank you when I get my meal. Anybody with me? You know what I'm saying? In fact, 
In fact, there's a verse, there's a verse, a, a scripture, you probably haven't heard of it, but let me give it to you. It's first Pastor Derek 4.4. It says this, Chick-fil-A will be in heaven. You know what I mean? So I'm just giving it to you right now. That's my belief. I believe Chick-fil-A is going to be in heaven. And uh, you're like, oh, don't add to scripture. All right, I'm not adding to scripture. But here's the deal. The truth is, is that, is that we have expectations when we go to Chick-fil-A, and that's what keeps us coming back. I love to go to Chick-fil-A. I go a couple times a week because I love my experience there. And listen, listen, the same goes in church. See, when, when people come to church, they have an expectation. They've either had a positive experience in their life or a negative experience in their life. And the truth is, if they've had a negative experience, that then carries over to every experience that they have. You know that there are literally people that will never step in the walls of a church. There are people at your school that are never walking the doors of age 12 because they had a bad experience at a church somewhere down the road or a bad experience with someone who branded themselves as Christian. And because of that, they don't want anything to do with Christianity. they got a false understanding of the brand. And they never want to come back. And so that is why we're in this series. We're in this series to talk about this branding thing. And I'm just here to tell you, there's some things that might have expectations on when people come to age 12. In fact, let me just tell you a couple of them. Uh, in fact, I would say there's three of them. And they st all start with the letter C, so they're easy to remember. There's three things that just, that just drive me when I think about what I want you to experience when you come here. And not just you as an individual, but you as a group and every new person that walks in the door here. This is what I want you to experience. The first thing I want you to experience is I want you to feel connected. I want you to feel connected. I want you to feel like, man, there's someone here I know. Man, there's people here that are cool that I could build friendships and relationships with. And I'm here to tell you, I know a lot of people in this room, and there are some cool people in this room. You know, can I get amen? <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> people raise their hand. And I want people to be connected. Listen, listen. It's why we, we are so committed to it. It's why we have things called connection groups after the service from 830 to 9. It's why we call it connection groups. That C is so important that we've literally carved out a 20 to 30 minute time within our night so that ninth grade guys can go get together and hang out and connect with one another. So if there's someone here that's new and they don't know anybody, they can connect to a new person. Or maybe you're here and you've been coming for a while, but you know what? You just don't have that many relationships and many friends. And so you could go and connect with those people and get to know people. This is an opportunity for you to connect because this is what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to build relationships with one another. The second thing that I want people to experience when they come here and the expectation they have is that I'm going to be cared for. That I'm going to be cared for. We have some incredible adult leaders here. And what I can tell you about them is that they care for you. That they love for you. Love you. I know our student leadership team. And I know a lot of the students that attend here, man. There's a lot of students here that love like nobody's business. That care like nobody's business. Like we want you to feel cared for. We want you to feel loved. We want when people to come in here, they may have been beat up all week long. They may be beat up at home. They may be beat up at school. But when they come here, they're like, you know what? When I come to this place, there's something different. I feel loved. I feel accepted. I feel cared for. Connect. Care. And the last one is challenged. I want students when they come here to be challenged. Like, I could come up here, we could play a bunch of games, I could be all crazy, I could just prepare a little five-minute devotional thing and do it, and we go out of here and, and just have a merry old day, and we'd be like, man, I'm going to come back because that was fun, and I met some cool people. But I want you to be challenged because I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every person who is in here. 
And that that plan is far bigger and far greater than anything you could possibly dream up in your wildest imagination. The Bible tells us this, that God has immeasurably more for you than you could ever think or imagine. That's pretty powerful. If that's what God has for me, if that's what God has for you, don't you want to walk in that? I want to challenge you because nobody in this room is perfect. That every person in this room uh, has a place that they can grow in their spiritual walk with God. Whether you're spiritually unresolved and don't have a relationship with God at all, or whether you've been following him for years, there is a next level to your relationship with God. And I want to challenge you. It's why I'm so committed to wanting to have a reverent culture within our student ministry. Let me explain what that means. I want to have a reverent culture in this room. In other words, when we're outside like, and, uh, you know, and doing a whole bunch of fun stuff and all that, man, it's fun, it's crazy, it's all that kind of stuff. Uh, afterwards, when we go to connection groups, we want it to be fun. We want you to enjoy that time. We have a lot of food. We like to eat a lot. Can I get an amen up in here for that? Which, by the way, next week's going to be Taco Tuesday, so strap your boots on and get ready. And, uh, and so we like to eat, we like to party, we like to have fun. But listen, listen, I want you to be challenged, and it's difficult to be challenged if there's not reverence in the room. See, see, here's the deal. The deal is, is that when you come into the room, we believe that this is holy ground. This is a sacred place. That this place has been prayed over by a lot of people today. That every chair in this room has been prayed over multiple times. You say, Derek, you mention that all the time. I want you to know because it's significant when you're in this room. That we pray and ask God to move. And we believe that he's going to move. And God does move as a testimony to seeing these people get baptized tonight. And their lives are changed and it will be changed forever. And we desire that for every person that comes in here. And so, you know, if you're, if you're in your seat and, and you're goofing off or you're more concerned about, you know, your girlfriend or passing notes around or holding your phone or listening to your earbuds or, you know, goofing off and throwing paper into people's hair in front of you and all that kind of stuff, that's not reverence. That's not respecting and honoring the fact that the God of the universe is speaking to us through his word and by his spirit in the room so that you could be challenged. We desire for this to be a place where you could be challenged challenge in your walk with God, challenge to be a man of God, challenge to be a woman of God. For some of you, you're like, man, I don't even know what that means. That's great. That's why we want you to keep coming back. We want you to keep coming back so you can learn what that means, so that you can be challenged. Listen, I, if you're here and you're like, dude, I don't even want to listen. That's fine. You don't have to listen to it. I just desire that you don't distract the people around you so that they can be challenged. Like nothing's more frustrating, can I get an amen, when you're sitting there and the people behind you are talking and goofing off and passing stuff around and playing the whole time. Amen. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but <clears throat> I think it needs to be said. I say that because we have this idea of what we want this ministry to be like, an expectation because we want people's lives to be changed. We want people to be challenged. We want them to connect. We want them to feel loved. We want them to feel cared for. Now, here's the question. How are we doing? We want that to be our brand. I don't know how we're doing, but I hope that we're doing well at it. And if we're not doing well at it, let me tell you what that means. That means that we, because this isn't a me thing, this ministry is not built on me. This is a we thing. This is a church thing. This is us doing some business and saying, hey, man, things got to change in me to help people feel more welcome when they come and more cared for. Things need to change in me so they can feel more connected. Things need to change in me so people can feel more challenged or so that I can be challenged. What I found is that some people have a very hostile view towards church, towards God because of a bad experience. 
I'm sure you've heard this before, man. When I think of Christians, I just think that they're self-righteous, judgmental. I think they're bigots. And I think that sometimes in some Christian circles, in some places, in some places where people call themselves Christians, I think that that brand comes out and comes alive sometimes because they're misunderstood, but sometimes because that's how some people treat people. And that's a shame because that's not who Jesus was. The person that we say we follow Jesus, to call yourself a Jesus follower, to call yourself a Christian is what it means to be a Jesus follower, is to say, I want to be like Jesus. We're going to come back around to that in a minute. And so this is not the model that Jesus set out for us. But here's a question that I have for you. For those of you that have friends that have a negative view towards the church or towards Christians, towards the brand of 12 Stone or H12, my question for you is, what about you, what about your character and the way that you love people is changing that perception? What about you, your character, the way you love people is changing the negative perception that people have around you? Or are you contributing to what they believe to be true about Christians and what they believe to be true about church? See, because we can contribute one way or another. We can contribute to changing their perception changing their expectations if they've had a bad experience. So we can contribute to them driving further this idea. Like, for example, if you treat people poorly, you're gossiping all the time, your life's a mess, you're a hypocrite, that's going to push people away, and they're people who, have, uh, who you're trying to invite are going to think that Christianity is a joke. I remember uh, last semester, something that, man, just hit me right to the core was I was talking to a couple students. I was over at Mountain View speaking at a thing, and, you know, I'd pop around to the different schools and do some stuff at the different schools. I was actually at the Key Club last week for Mountain View, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, and so I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. But I was at Mountain View doing something like that last year, and while I was there, um, I had a couple students that came up to me, Pastor Derek, Pastor Derek, what's up, what's up? And I started talking to them, and I'm like, man, like, I miss you guys, man. I hadn't seen y'all on age 12 in a while. What's, what's going on? Like, where y'all been? And, and they were like, they were like, oh, man, you know, here's the deal, Derek, man. We love you. We love what's going on there. But, but man, we just, we just know, man, we just, there's just friends that we have to go there. And they're, like, singing the songs and raising their hands and trying to talk all this Christian stuff. But, dude, like, when I go to the parties on the weekends, like, they're out there getting hammered. And they're out there just, you know, getting wasted and everything else. And they're doing everything else. And, man, they're just, they're just hypocrites, man. I just don't want to be a part of that. And I said, man, that's... That's pretty heavy. Now, the reality is nobody in this room is perfect, and the reality is that every single one of us are going to do something hypocritical in our life. But that should be the exception, not the rule. That shouldn't brand us. That shouldn't be what we're known for, because I believe that there are certain things that Christians should be known for. In fact, we jumped into that last week a little bit and talked about what we believe um, that Christians should be known for. We talked about that uh, Christians should be known for uh, being unified. We talked about that Christians should be known for being unified and that unity is a pretty big deal uh, when it comes to the body of Christ and, and when it comes to being a Christian. That we live in a nation right now that seems to be pretty dis, disun, There seems to be a lot of disunity. There's the, the political disunity that's going on right now. Are you for Trump? Are you for Hillary? Are you for this? Are you for that? There's the racial tension and disunity that's going on in our country. I mean, to think that our country is unified right now is a, is a, is a, is a, means that you're in the dark. But the truth is, Jesus 
would tell us, man, listen, I desire for you to be unified. So we read Philippians chapter 2. That's where we've been diving into scripture in this and saying there's some things that as Christians we should be known for. Things that should brand us. We should be known as being unified. That everybody around us can be disunified. But inside the, inside the church, inside the body of Christ, we should be known as people who fight for one another. We should be known as people who lock arms and link arms together, regardless of our socioeconomic background, regardless of our race, regardless of our sex, regardless of any of that kind of stuff, because God created us all equal. And we should be unified. That's the message that's given. In fact, in John chapter 17, what we looked in last week, we showed that the last thing that Jesus prayed before he was arrested and taken to the garden of Gethsemane, the last thing that the disciples heard Jesus praying was that we would all be one, that we would be unified as the church. This was on the, on the heart of, of God. This was on the heart of Jesus as he was there right before he was to be arrested. The last thing he was thinking about, the last thing the disciples heard Jesus praying before he was going to be arrested and so let's jump in this week to philippians chapter 2 if you got your bibles you can open there it's on page 1179 and we're going to pick up this passage of scripture in verse 2 we talked about being unified we're going to pick up in verse 3 this week and uh and and jump in and kind of keep going through it And, and i want you to hear this because i think this is so powerful so good and i think what's cool about this passage of scripture is is that This is 2,000 years ago when this was written, and you can see how relevant it is for today. It is almost as if Paul anticipated the fact that we as Christians, we as men and women of God, as we go from our old life to our new life in Jesus, that we would be dealing with these issues. Issues of unity, issues of selfishness and selflessness, and issues of pride and humility. And he addresses these things. As we talked about last week, the unity side. Uh, this week, I want to jump in and talk about this selflessness, uh, this selfishness uh, piece that, that we see. And look what he says in verse 3. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let me, let, me, let me interpret that for you. Do nothing out of selfishness and pride. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others. Not looking to your own interests, valuing others above yourself. Man, what would our nation be like if people just valued the person next to them above themselves? This verse right here is what my daughter needs when she's snatching up little boys and throwing them on the ground. Mine. This is the verse that you need. This is the verse we need. This is the verse that I need. To value others above ourselves. See, this is, this is not how most people live their life. In fact, we live in a world that's very self-centered. It's a part of that sin nature, a part of that pride that's in us, a part of that selfishness that's in us. We, we want to do things our own way. We want to be the boss of our life. We want to be the God of our life. And because of that, we are selfish. I'm selfish. You're selfish. We're all selfish. And what happens is is that we get so wrapped up in our life that we cannot even see the needs of other people to even know how to value them. How many of you in here would say, man, I'm busy? Like, if I'm honest, man, I'm busy. I'm busy. Many of us, right? I mean, I can say that. And sometimes I can get so busy that I miss seeing the needs of the people around me. 
I get so wrapped up in my own life, my own interests, my own things that I cannot value people above myself because I don't even notice that other people are even around me. And that's a problem. And I think that Paul would challenge us in this passage to live selfishly. And this leads us to the bottom line tonight if you're taking notes. I want you to write this down. This is sort of the big idea. Actually, this bottom line for this, this thought tonight uh, comes from, uh, from FCA, from Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's one of their mantras that they use within Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it's this. I am third. I am third. I think this should be one of all of our, this should be one of all of our life mantras, that I am third. See, because we live in a world that puts me first, a part of this idea of becoming a Christian is us saying, I'm not first anymore. God, I realize I can't be the God of my own life. God, I realize that I need you. God, I realize that I can't be selfish any longer. I have to submit to your authority in my life. God, I have to put others before myself. That's second. That we put God first as Christians, and the Bible would teach us to put others second. That, that we get off the throne for God, and then God tells us as soon as we get off the throne, hey, listen, not only are you not in second place, but now you're in third place because others have to be before you. I love this passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is. It's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Now, I want you to hear this. Jesus is asked by a lawyer what the greatest commandment is. Anytime Jesus is asked something that says, what is the greatest, I want to know what Jesus has to say about it. And this is what he says. He says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second of these, listen, the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. What I love about that is, is that the lawyer asked him what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus gave him two. He didn't give him one. I think the reason that Jesus gave him two is because you can't separate it. You can't say, I love God and not love people. You can't say that God's on the throne of my life and people are not put above myself. That a part of loving God is that your heart changes and your mind changes and you begin to value people above yourself. It's why here at 12 Stone we have that conversation and we say this a lot and we just got out of this series in the last series here in H12 called One Matters. That we say that one matters. That one person matters to God and one person matters to us. That communication can get lost when you look at a church like 12 Stone and you see all these people and you're like, man, there's thousands of people there all they care about is the crowds no 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 listen listen we care about the one because the one matters to God and the one matters to us that is so important to us and we believe that we bleed that that is who we are as a church it's why we're 20,000 people and going it's why people come here it's why people come here in waves it's because they feel and they understand that we don't just care about getting a bunch of people in a building we care about your life and we care about what God's doing in your life as an individual That is an amen. Thank you for that. Love God and love others. This is what Jesus says in this commandment. He does not separate the two. And so it's God first, it's others second, it's me third. And what I love about this is, is that we see that when we put others first, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen when we put others first. People trust you more. Think about the people you trust in your life. Do you trust the people in your life that are more selfish or less selfish? Less selfish. People like you more. I mean, the people that I'm closest friends with aren't the people who always, when we have a conversation, want to talk about themselves. Anytime we want to go do something, it's all about what they want to go do. Their relationships are give and take. People will respect you more. 
People respect people that, that value other people, that put other people first. In fact, I even think of the word hero. I mean, we can all rally around and say we respect heroes. But when you think about a hero, what is a hero? A hero is someone who has sacrificed greatly, has put themselves on the line in order to save someone else's life, in order to help someone else out, who sacrificed and selflessly done something for the benefit of someone else. That is what we term when we call someone a hero. And when you do this, you gain more influence. But here's the thing. Those are all surface things. I think that for a Christian, there's even a deeper motivation, a higher calling that is at play when we put others before ourselves. And I'm going to show you what that higher calling is. I want to show you the picture that's given here. Because he's just told us, be unified, be humble, and be selfless. And then I want you to, know what it, I want you to notice what it says um, in verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another... Listen to this. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's like, look, listen, there's three things I want to tell you to do. I want to tell you to be unified. I want to tell you to be humble. I want to tell you to be selfless. And then he says, I want you to have the same mind as Jesus. And then he gives us this little passage of scripture, like three or four more verses, where he explains how Jesus was unified how he was humble, and how he was selfless. Look what he says. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. He says this. In your relationships with one another, this is how we treat one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Basically, he's saying Jesus is God in the flesh. He was God in heaven. He humbled himself and came here to the earth and put on the flesh of a human by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, that's good. Jesus spent his entire ministry, his entire life, modeling for us what it looked like to put other people above yourself. He gets down on his feet and he washes, or on his knees and hands, and he washes the disciples' feet. The act of a slave. He says, I didn't come to be served. God in flesh did not come to be served, but I came to serve. That he made it a point to reach out to the people in society that everyone else overlooked, that everyone else outcast, to let them know that they mattered to him. That if you had a pulse, you matter to Jesus. And in fact, I would even submit to you, if you didn't have a pulse, you matter to Jesus. Because the Bible would tell us that when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again on the third day, that his resurrection covered the sin debt and covered the death of everyone that died before Jesus, the Old Testament prophets and all that kind of stuff. But in addition to that, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so he cared about him even before that. That Jesus cared about anybody and everybody, dead or alive. And he challenges us. He leaves us with this message of this. And so listen, I want you to hear this. And I wrote this down. I want, you, I want to read it how I, wrote, how I wrote it so you can get it. The essence, oh, you got to hear this. The essence of calling ourselves Christ followers is that we look like Jesus in the way that we live. 
If you want to know the essence of what it means to be a Christian, it is that your life looks like Jesus in the way that we live. 1 John 2.6 says this, Those who claim to know him must walk as Jesus did. Let me say that again. For those who claim to know him, if you claim to know Jesus, must walk as Jesus did. It's the same verse in verse 5. To have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ. That as a Christ follower, that this is what we're called to do. So what does this look like? How do we live this out in our everyday culture? I'm going to give you three things real quick and we'll be done. The first is this. How do we show selflessness in our life? How do we show it in our home, in our school, in our friends? How, how do we do that? The first is this. I would say associate with the overlooked. Associate with the overlooked. Sometimes people are overlooked because they're not known. Sometimes people are overlooked because they're new. Sometimes people are overlooked because they're misunderstood. Sometimes people are overlooked because they're not like you. And I want to challenge you to associate with the overlooked. That's what Jesus did. And listen, this is what I know in a room like this. What I know in a room like this, that for some of us, we're like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, Derek, that sounds all great. Yeah, Derek, I know that's what Jesus would do. But I have a reputation to uphold. That, that if I start spending time with the people that nobody spends time with, then what's that going to look like on me? You're selfish and you're prideful. Get over it. Grow up. See, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I heard this story when I was watching college football this weekend. It was an incredible story. It was about this, this kid. He's a middle schooler. His name's Bo Paskey. And Bo Paskey has some form of autism. And, uh, and because of that, it makes him different. He's not like some of the other students that go to his middle school. And because of that, he's overlooked. He's ignored. He's alone. In fact, when they did this interview and they interviewed him, they asked him, the, uh, his mom said, my son comes home and I ask him about his friends. And he says, mom, don't you know I don't have any friends? Now, for some of us, we go, man, that's sad. And for some of us go, I know that feeling. Heartbreaking. Rejected. Nobody likes him. Nobody has conversations with him. In fact, they would like him if they got to know him because he's a pretty cool kid in the interview. So, a college football player from Florida State uh, came to the school, Travis Randolph, and as he comes to the school, he notices at lunch Bo sitting over by himself at the cafeteria, and so Travis comes over and sits with him. I think we got a picture of it, of that, of that. What I want you to see about this picture here is that look how no one's sitting beside him, and I want you to look at all the other students in the room. These kids, their backs are turned towards him. They're facing that way. These kids' backs are turned towards him. Nobody is given any attention in his direction. But this wide receiver from Florida State comes and he sits down with him. Somebody snapped this picture, and this picture went viral and all this kind of stuff. And his mom saw the picture, and she just bawls her eyes out. And she says, when, when Bo came home, he said, Mom, you won't believe it. I made a friend today. 
I want to show you a little video clip of kind of a reunion. And actually, the whole story is like 20 minutes long. It's incredible. I'd go watch it. This doesn't even capture a fraction of the story. But, uh, but I want you just to check out uh, just this, this quick little video clip of, of, uh, of, of this uh, football player meeting with, um, with uh, Bo and his mom. Hello. Good morning. Hey, come on in. Good morning. I'm Andy. Travis. Travis, good to see Hello. you. Hey. And you must be Travis Rudolph. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? What's up? How are you? Good. Pretty emotional and so grateful. Thank you. I, don't, I mean, I still am not even 100% sure that you understand how much it meant. Yeah. I mean, you really don't even have to thank me. Bo is a great person, and you raised a great son. You'll be my friend forever. Got me? Friend forever. Dude. Be my friend forever. Man, who's in your circle, outside of your circle? Who's at the lunchroom of your cafeteria? Who's at age 12? Who's on your bus? Who's in your neighborhood? Who do you know? And that's their story. And what it would mean for them, for you to reach out to them, to show them love, to care for them, to help them feel connected, to challenge them. And this is what Jesus would want. This is what Jesus modeled for us. The second thing that we can do in this is, is listen more. For some of us, one of the best things that you can do is show other people that you care about them and, and to be selfless is to shut up. <laughs> Sometimes we're so busy talking about my baggage and all the stuff I got going on and you won't believe what happened at school today and you won't believe what happened here and you won't believe what happened in here and we're just blah, 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 that we never just stop and ask someone else, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Tell me about your family. It's amazing when you start listening to people how much more that relationship grows. The more you get to know someone and it doesn't become just about surface relationships and conversations all the time. It's why we do life groups. It's a place for us to be able to share and us to be able to listen and us to be able to get to know each other, even people that are different than ourselves and be able to build deeper relationships with one another and build deeper relationships with God together with one another. And actually, this is the last week to sign up for life groups. We, we close off the registration. You're not allowed to attend them if you don't sign up by Sunday. The reason we do that is because we want to make sure that those groups are protected and the confidentiality in those groups. And you can be in a group being open and not have to worry about new people popping in all the time and that disrupting the whole dynamic of the group. So I want to challenge you to sign up. If you want to go deeper in your walk with God, you want to build some deeper relationships, below, not just below the surface stuff, man, this is where you do it. This is, this is something we are offering for you. I promise you this, it will change your life. Find somebody who went to life groups this past Sunday night. It's all right if you missed the first week. Jump in this next week. Sign up and go. Maybe you signed up and you totally forgot that it started last week and your leader called you and you're like, oh, man, I totally forgot I can't be there tonight. Make a commitment to be there this week. Self-lead yourself. Make sure you put it on your calendar. When you go home tonight, tell your mom, hey, don't forget, mom, we have life groups this Sunday, 4 o'clock. Man, I want to be there. It's a place that I want to go to. Don't let that leader call you on Sunday and you be like, oh, man, I don't have a ride. I forgot to tell my mom. Lead yourself in that because I think it's a great thing. The third thing is this, influence where God has put you. Influence where God has put you. God's put you in the school that he's put you in to influence. God's put you in the neighborhood that he's put you in to influence. God's put you in the circles that he's put you in to influence. And I want to challenge you to do this. 
to be selfless and influenced through serving? What would it look like if you decided, just one example, what would it look like if you decided just to influence in your home? Maybe you decided, I'm going to be selfless at home. That when I'm at home, it's not just about my time where I'm relaxing and I'm playing my video game and I'm doing whatever I want to do because I had a hard day at school and I had homework. What if you thought about the fact that maybe your mom and dad had a hard day at work too? And you said, you know what, I'm going to serve my parents and I'm going I'm to clean up around the house. Not because they told me to do it, but because I want to be selfless and I want to serve them. Put them first. Something of that nature. That might be a cool idea or something for you to do. I don't know what that looks like in, any, in every area of your life. But man, in every area of your life, there's areas that we can be where we can uh, uh, dial in to be more um, uh, selfless. So last week, some of you, uh, many of you that were here last week, you had the opportunity to come forward and get a bracelet. And we have some bracelets here. I thought they were going to be right here, but I don't know where they're at. Um, just kidding. JK, LOL. Uh, so, and so uh, we have these bracelets. And, uh, and on these bracelets, they, 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 we, we, we just, we just want to challenge you to give you something to kind of remind you and to do and to say, you know what, this month I, I want to pick one of these things. And on these bracelets we have encourage, serve, pray, forgive. Now, you may want to pick two of these. You may want to pick one of them. But what we're asking is, if you take this bracelet, you're going to pick at least one of them. And maybe you're going to say, you know what, man? My tendency is that, you know, a part of me not being selfless is that I don't really encourage people. I can't remember the last time I, I said something kind to someone. I can't remember the last time I told my mom she was beautiful. I'm telling you, your mom would love that. And you want to, you want to commit to this, this, uh, this month just encouraging people. Or maybe it's serving, or maybe it's praying. This is mine. Mine is prayer. Or maybe it's forgive. Maybe there's someone in your life you know you need to forgive, and this month it might even take you because they've done something horrible to you, and it might take a whole month to forgive, but you want to commit to just acting it, that you're going to put your faith in action, that you're going to live like Jesus, that you, you're going to commit to being unified, you're going to commit to being selfless, you're going to commit to being what we're talking about next week. You'll have to wait and see. So as we close out tonight, I'm going to have the band come forward. I want to challenge you tonight with that thought. To be selfless, to be like Jesus, that this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. I desire this to be the brand of not only H12, but the brand of your personal life. I desire that when people think Derek Idol, I desire that they think that, man, that guy loves people. That guy cares. He ain't perfect, he's rough around the edges. But man, he cares. Man, that guy, that guy is, is a unifier. He's not a divider. That guy is a guy who cares about his wife and cares about his kids. It's a guy that fights for things that are right, that he'll do the right thing no matter what, no matter what it costs him. He'll, he'll, he'll do whatever it takes. I mean, there's things that I want to be known for things that I want my brand to represent, to use that term. What are those things for you? And in this series, I want to challenge you just to be continuing to pray through that, seeking God on it, making that commitment of what you want your brand to be because that contributes to what we do in here.